will God allow me to begin again, to, to start over? And I'd like to, to, to think about this by talking about um, a certain individual. And this is a, a chap who wrote a number of the hymns, uh, a few of the hymns that are in our hymn book. And he's a guy called John Newton. Now, this this chap had a interesting life by anyone's standards. His, his mother died when he was quite young. And when he was 11, he joined his father in the Merchant Navy and took part in um, six sea voyages um, with his father. When he was 18, he was press ganged into the Royal Navy. It wasn't a pleasant experience, didn't like being in the Royal Navy. Um, and he tried to desert. And he was captured as he, as he tried to desert from the ship, um, was flogged on the ship. And uh, eventually, because I guess he was um, a bit of a nuisance to them, he was transferred onto a, a slave ship that was passing. And he was actually employed by this slave dealer on the passing ship um, and effectively treated as a slave. He you know, kind of worked for, for nothing as for this for this um, slave dealer. Um, his father arranged for him to be to be rescued, um, found out where he was. And eventually he was he was rescued. He came back. He was on a ship going back to England. Um, it nearly sank in a storm. And, you know, like like many people, when they come to kind of a life crisis, he started then saying that he would try and look into um, the Bible and find out more about God. Um, wasn't necessarily something he did straight away because when he came back to England um, for the next six years, he actually um, became a captain of a slave ship himself and was was part of um, the slave trade between Africa and the, the West Indies and um, and uh, the UK um, and was an active participant in the in the slave trade. In, 19, in 1754, at the age of just 29, he had a stroke um, and he had to give up um, being, a, being in the slave trade. Um, having you know, a big chunk of his life to reflect upon what he'd done, it was when he was in his 60s that he published um, a document called Thoughts Upon the Slave Trade. He, As you can see from the quote, he'd come to really regret um, what he'd done and he says um, this is his confession which he says comes too late from this man in his 60s something he'd done in his 20s it will always be the sub a subject of humiliating reflection to me that I was once an active instrument in a business at which my heart now shudders and he actually sent that publication to all the MPs in the in the um, UK Parliament, um, and he actually lived just long enough in 1807 to see the Slave Trade Act being passed, um, which which um, banned um, the slave trade. Now, not holding up this man as you know someone to to follow. Um, um, I'm what I'm just saying is this is interesting to see somebody who did something terrible in their in their youth something that you know, is universally acknowledged now to be you know an absolutely um, heinous thing to, to traffic um, in other human beings but his his reflection 
upon um, what he saw as the character of God and verses from the Bible allowed him to um, confess to that thing and be able to to start again, to, to try and put right what he'd done wrong. And the message from that little story to begin with is that no matter what we've done, if we truly want to repent and come back to God or even come to God for the first time, there is nothing that we have done that can separate us from him. There is no crime that we've done. There's no thought that we've had. There is nothing that we've done that cannot um, separate us from him. In fact, God's mercy is such that the only thing that can stop us taking those steps towards him is our own belief that he can forgive us. We may have burdens in our own past that we find it difficult to, to bear. Um, there may be things that we look back on and are the subject of humiliating reflection to us. It, in, in all of our lives, there may be things that we look back and are terribly ashamed for things that we have done. Things um, at which our heart shudders when we think about them now. The message of the Bible um, and the, the lesson from the life of John Newton is that there is nothing that we have done that can separate us from God's love. If we want to come to him, to understand him and take steps to accept his gift of, of forgiveness, the only thing stopping us is our own desire to be forgiven, our own belief that he can forgive us. Now, when I've had conversations with people that um, are not believers or um, are tentative about belief in the God of the Bible, sometimes they've said to me, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. You know, there are things that I've done, things that I do now. I'm just I'm just not a good enough person. You know, they I know what Christians are like. You know, they're good people. And I'm just not good enough to be to be one of those people are not good enough to come to God. Now, if you if you feel like this, if you know someone that feels like this, then we can all be reassured that nowhere in the Bible does it say you need to hit a certain level of goodness before you can become a Christian. There's not a, a sliding scale of goodness and we need to get to a certain level before we can even begin to become one. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you've done really bad things, you will be excluded from um, repenting. You'll be excluded from wanting to change your ways. When people say I'm not good enough to be a Christian to me, what I normally say to them is a Christian is not someone who thinks they are good enough. It's in fact the, the opposite. A, a, a Bible believing Christian is someone who knows they are not good enough to be a Christian. In fact, that's the whole point about it. Um, the um, Bible-believing Christians, the Christadelphians that are on the call that are on this meeting this evening, have, have become followers of Jesus because 
we believe that we are sinners, that we are not good enough, that we are failing to, to hit that mark. To, we are failing to be perfect in God's sight. In fact, if there are things that you've done that you are not proud of in your past, things that maybe do make you feel a bit humiliated because you've done the wrong thing, that's exactly the state of mind. That's, that's exactly the right starting point for becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. And once you have become a follower of Jesus, we'll talk about how to, to do that in a moment, then God's mercy and kindness can continue each day. Each day we can remember that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love except our own belief that he can. And it is something we need to think about each day because by being a, a follower of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that suddenly you are you're perfect. In fact, listen to these words from from Paul, um, from the letter to the Romans that are on the going to be on the screen. Um, this is how Paul um, and, and many of you all know who he is. You know, wrote um, a number of books in the New Testament of the Bible. This is how he, even though he was a you know very committed follower of Jesus Christ, this is how he saw um, himself. And this is from this is um, Paul's words from the New Living Translation. He says, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. So this is someone who was a, a committed, believing, baptised um, follower of Christ. And he was still doing things that he hated. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I've discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, inevitably I do what is wrong. It's a very bleak view, isn't it, of human nature? But it's, if we're all honest with ourselves, it's a very true view of human nature. And he goes on to say, I love God's law with all my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? He wants to begin again, doesn't it? You can, you can see, even though he's someone who's, who's made that initial decision to be a follower of, of Christ, who's, who's had that new start. Every day he's saying, I, I, I've got a war with my mind going on. I, I want to do the right thing, but I can't. I want to begin again and again every day. His life is saying it is dominated by sin and, and death. And the, the, the Bible's perspective is that death came from sin originally and still does. We, we die because we are simple um, creatures, because that is um, what happened right back in the very beginning of the bible in the book of genesis and um, adam and eve were given a command and they were told if they were dis disobey that command that that sin would lead to death and and paul wants to be rescued from this sin and death he wants to begin again and if the passage ends with that question being open it would be um it would be very depressing but it doesn't he says 
Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this solution to begin again has been provided by God and it's based around the Lord Jesus Christ. He's centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he is the answer. The Lord Jesus who lived and um, um, died and, and rose again from death 2000 years ago um, was the son of God because he, he was born by um, a miracle from his um, mother Mary. He didn't sin despite being tempted to do so. And as a result, when he died, he rose from the dead because it was not just that he would remain dead. And God has said through, through the Bible that if we desire, have a desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, even though we won't follow him perfectly and like him, we will sin. Unlike him, we will sin. God has said that if we associate ourselves with him, he will forgive us. He will show us what the Bible calls grace. A grace is, um, um, if you look at what the, the word in the Bible means, it's when someone gives you a, a gift. Something that you haven't earned, something you don't deserve. It's an undeserved gift. And um, one of the, the hymns in our hymn book that uh, John Newton wrote, I'm just going to read a verse from it. It's, it's hymn 204, if you're interested. It says, dear name, the rock on which I build my shield and hiding place. My never failing treasury filled with boundless stores of grace. So this grace from from God, this undeserved gift that he's offered to us. Um, it's boundless. It is. It's, it's infinite. It's, it's not that, um, you know, at some point. We're going to do something that um, is too bad for God to forgive us. Or we're going to do too many little things and, it, and it will we'll use up that grace. If we turn to God in true repentance and, and, and we'll talk about this in a minute and what that means, then God will forgive us. In fact, um, John Newton's most most famous hymn, which isn't in our hymn book, is all about grace, isn't it? It's, it's, that, it's that hymn, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Um, and I mean, I'm not I'm not very, you know, uh, not very good with my adjectives. I've got quite a limited vocabulary. But if I was going to pick a good adjective to um, to go with grace, it would be amazing um, because it, it, it's something we do not deserve. Um, and, and what this, you know, what these, these man's words, but they're expressing a principle that is true. That if we feel lost, if we feel like a wretch, if we feel blind, then God can um fix that he can show us that grace and actually feeling lost and feeling like a wretch and feeling blind is just the right attitude to have if we think we're good enough if we think we can see and this is some, something jesus when he spoke to his religious leaders um he spoke to them about he said if you can if you know if you if you if you were blind you wouldn't have a problem but because you think you can see says them you have an issue if we think we can see we think we're found if we think we're not a wretch and we'll never come to christ because we won't think we need him we need to feel like this in order to come to him in fact we need to feel every day like we want to begin again and that's the attitude we need in order to come to the lord jesus the bible talks about this amazing grace in in ephesians 
And for grace, you have been saved. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Again, reminding us that grace is undeserved. It's not something that we've earned. It's not something we do by our own effort. None of us can boast and think, well, I'm, I deserve God's forgiveness. You know, I've earned God's grace. I'm, I'm jolly good. And I, you know, it's no wonder God's picked me to be um, a Christadelphian. Uh, that's, that's not what we can think because it is, it's undeserved. It comes to us because um, of our belief in our father as a forgiving God and our belief that the Lord Jesus Christ, his son, died for us. Now, just in case you are still unsure that God um, will accept you because of things you've done in the past, um, just look at this list um, in yellow of things that, the again, the Apostle Paul talks about some of the these um, disciples in this, this um, cosmopolitan uh, city of Corinth um, in, in the first century, the sort of things that they were getting up to, the sort of things that they were doing before they found. Um, Christianity he says he lists this list of things and he says you know th these are things you shouldn't do he says you know you won't inherit the kingdom of God if you do these things but he says and such were some of you but he says you've you've changed you've begun again you've been washed and remember that word washed we'll talk about that in, in a moment you've you were washed and you've been sanctified you've been made clean um, again it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ now, it's always good to look at some actual examples of this um, from the from the Bible. This may sound too good to be true, um, but let's look at some examples of God's um, amazing grace. I'm just going to look at four little case studies. Um, one is a, a parable of the Lord Jesus and the other three are, are actual thing, actual people that um, um, uh, um, found um, that they could begin again in their life. We're just going to look just briefly at these four examples from the Bible to see um, how amazing God's grace is. So this is where we're going to take um, our first reading. So we're going to read this parable of the Lord Jesus, which I'm calling the, the, the story of the lost sons. And we're going to read from Luke chapter 15, uh, verses 11 to 32, inclusive. Please, I think Mark's going to read that. Thank you. So Luke chapter 15, reading from verse 11 through to verse 32. And Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? 
I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called unto the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Thank you. I mean, if, if we're allowed to have favourite parables, um, that would probably be, it would certainly be in my, my top three. This, this wonderful imagery from Jesus um, about how you can change, how you can begin again in your life, no matter how far you've fallen. And um, we didn't read the beginning of chapter 15 because actually there are two other parables in this chapter and they're all about something that's lost. And the first few verses of chapter 15 tell us why Jesus told these parables. It says, then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to hear to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them. So there were people who were, were saying, you know, the, the religious leaders who were um, seen as being the, the religious ones. They were seen as being the good the ones that were good enough. And. They were complaining that, that Jesus was spending time with with others who, who they thought were thought were beyond the pale, that possibly they couldn't possibly begin again. And Jesus told these parables to to remind everybody that actually actually that Jesus came um, to, to give God's message to those that felt 
lost, that those that were that were sick, that those that were dead that needed to be to be made alive. Because if you think that you're okay, you won't you won't need him. And the the message of this of this parable um, is wonderfully strong, isn't it? We have this this um, wasteful, this prodigal son who 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 loses everything that he's been given by his father. <laughs> and it, it's really when he's um, kind of got to a, the lowest point of his life, <coughs> um, completely self-inflicted, but he's got there that he decides to to go around and he just wants to go back to his father. He just wants to be a servant of his father. And he rehearses in verse 21. Um, I'm sorry, he rehearses um, this this um, um, apology to his father in verse 18, that he's he's sinned and he's not worthy to be called his son anymore. And let me just share my screen again. And we can see what well, we read, didn't we, what the father did. The father um, was there sort of watching for him. And it says those wonderful words um, when he was a great way off. Verse 20, <clears throat> his father saw him, had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Now, the parable, the, the father in the, in the parable represents God. That is God's attitude to those who reach that point that they need to begin again that reach that point of repentance and the, the moment they they take a step towards him this father is is running god wants to have compassion on those people he's not going to make them repent he will support and, and help them and and, and um, because of his love work in their in their lives but that repentance came from the man and his father was ready to receive him so if we're in a position where we feel a great way off from god the the very quick way of closing that gap between us and god is to well to do what the son did in verse 20 to arise and come to god and you can bet that the distance that the father closed um, compared to the distance that the son closed as he um, um, sort of um, walked towards his father's um, house was much greater. Uh, God will, will run to us if we take a step towards him. That is the that is his boundless store of grace. That is his mercy and compassion um, of, of our father. In heaven. Now I said it was the parable of the sons, didn't I? And and that's true because there was the son that we think about being lost, the one that wasted everything and eventually was able to come back to his father. But there's the other son, isn't there, that we read. The other son who was like the, the scribes and the Pharisees, who who had who thought that the, that the father shouldn't receive this wasteful son back to him. They they couldn't be as merciful as their father as as their father. And it's an important lesson for us, too, isn't it? That when we talk about God's mercy in forgiveness of of his children, we need to remember too to 
to um, allow people who have done things that are wrong um, to repent, to come back to God and to show them the same merciful attitude as our father in heaven. If God allows people to begin again, then surely we as his children should do too. So that was that example from um, the story of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the other are the other three are examples of people in the Bible um, who we can perhaps relate to as those people that made mistakes and then began again. And we can take our our second reading from Luke as well. So if you're still in Luke, you can go back a few pages to Luke chapter seven. And we're going to read verses 36 to 50, please. So read, reading Luke chapter 7, beginning at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired Jesus that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors, the one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house, and thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. So 
So we have this passage from, uh, again, another passage from the, the Gospel of Luke that wonderfully compares um, Simon, this, this Pharisee, one of these people that are perceived as being upright men by others, but also by himself. And this, this woman, this woman who was, being, who was perceived as being a sinner by others, but also by herself. And they, they both have an interaction with Jesus. They're both in this setting, this, this meal setting with Jesus. But the woman is incredibly expressive in her, in her love towards the Lord Jesus. And Jesus contrasts that with what Simon did to him. And by telling them that little parable about two debtors, the one being forgiven um, 500 denarii and the other 50, Jesus reminds Simon that the amount with which we, we love God and love the Lord Jesus is, is related to how much we think we've been forgiven. We need to come to a realisation of our own sins in order to, to fully love God. If we, if we can't see our own failings, then why would we thank God for his forgiveness? But the more we see our own failings, the more we will love God and the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiving us. But that was what um, the Lord Jesus said to that woman. I'm sorry, to Simon. He says, therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little, loves little. And there's a there's a warning there, too, isn't there? Because if we don't realize that we all need to begin again and, and, and turn to God and the Lord Jesus Christ with great love to them. then the little thing that we think we've got, well, that that won't be forgiven either because we won't have turned in repentance to to God for it. So those are two two examples from the Gospel of Luke. Um, another example of a, another Bible character. Um, that is just a, uh, I guess it's a true artist's impression, isn't it, of what they thought David looked like. Um, but uh, he probably didn't. But this is King, King David, um, who um, many of you will know, um, was called by God a man after his own heart. A, a man who had such faith and trust in God, who, who was inspired to write um, wonderful um, songs in the Book of Psalms uh, about um, his relationship with God. Um, a man who God chose to be to be king, leader of his own people, a man who God chose to be um, an ancestor of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we'd read about the Lord Jesus sitting on David's throne. This is a, a, a giant of faith and trust in God in the Bible. But he, he, yeah, you probably know what else he did. He desired someone else's wife he committed adultery with that woman and when she became when she told him that she was pregnant he arranged to have her husband killed now uh, there, there's there's quite a lot of morality um 
that a modern society is kind of sanitized. But even by modern standards, most people would think that's bad. That is that is not something that you should do, especially somebody who's professing to follow God. But this was a man who, not straight away, but eventually, and with God working in his life, realized the evil that he'd done. But he also realized that God would allow him to begin again. And he penned this psalm in response to his forgiveness. Um, and as part of that forgiveness, he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfading love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And we have that figure, don't we, of, of washing again. We, we, we read that about the Corinthians. Paul says, you've been washed. And, and David here says, you have been acknowledged he'd been washed as well. And just to top off our list of people who um, who began again, we have Paul himself, who we've already quoted from, from Romans and Corinthians. Um, as I said, that man who wrote um, 13, possibly 14 books of the New Testament. Um, he understood about God's grace. Um, he wrote those words in Ephesians about by grace you are saved. Um, but before he was converted to Christianity, he was someone who persecuted Christians, put them in prison, had them killed. He, this was someone who, because of his past actions, acknowledged himself. that he, he called himself the chief of sinners. But he had that life-changing experience. Um, he had the road to Damascus experience. You know, it's, where the, it's where the phrase comes from. Um, he was that man. He was blinded um, and was blind for three days and was caused to reflect on what he was doing. And the, the first... Um, the first believer, the first Christian believer he, he, he saw after those three days was a man called Ananias. Ananias had been told by God to go to Paul, um, something that he was a bit wary about doing because Paul was this, was this persecutor of the Christians. But he went in faith and Ananias wonderfully welcomes Paul as a brother. Um, and Ananias means in... Um, um, in the original language, it means the grace of the Lord. And it's a, it's a wonderful picture, isn't it? That the first, the first thing that Paul sees um, after those three days of reflection, when he opens his eyes or when his eyes are miraculously opened, is um, a man called the grace of the Lord, calling him brother. And that man, Ananias, says to Paul, and now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And we have that that phrase again, wash away your sins. It was what Paul spoke to the Corinthians about, that they, they'd done evil in the past and now they'd washed their sins away. It's what David said, that God, he wanted God to do to his sins, to wash them away. And we now have, we now have this man, Ananias, the grace of the Lord, saying to this, chief of sinners to wash away your sins and he also says to be baptized and that's why in the bible um, one of the acts that you that you do um, and really the, the primary public act you do to 
to show people that you have <coughs> developed a belief in um, the God of the Bible, a belief in the saving name of the Lord Jesus Christ is to literally be washed, <coughs> to be baptized, to um, be fully immersed in, in water, um, to acknowledge that you need to be cleansed from, from head to toe, to be buried in the water, this water that washes you, just like the Lord Jesus was buried when he died. And you symbolically die in that water. And when you come out of the water again, when your body has been fully washed, you, you have a new life. It's no longer you that live. You're, you've, you've died. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it says, the Bible says, living in you. You have a new life in Jesus um, with your sins washed away. And the Bible says that God will view you as sinless. Just like he views the Lord Jesus, because you are now part of the body of the Lord Jesus. Um, and, and when you're baptized, it doesn't mean that the, the, that very moment you're perfect and your your desire to sin has been washed away. No, that that's still there. You can. You could fight against it with God's word and with prayer, but it will still be there and it will still beat you from time to time. But because you have been baptized, because you died and, and rose again, because you have a new life, when you sin, you don't have to get baptized again. You can turn to God uh, um, and ask for forgiveness and repent for what you've done. And God's amazing grace will carry on um, every hour of the day so it's not just when we're baptized that we experience god's amazing grace it's every morning it says in um, the book of lamentations um it's because of god's the lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail they are new every morning every morning great is your faithfulness so just to finish then whether we've been a slave dealer, whether we've um, been an adulterer, a murderer, a persecutor of, of Christians. Th these are the people we've talked about this evening. Now, these are these are big things, aren't they? Uh, whether we've um, done one of those, th th those things that are on that list of Paul to the Corinthians. God will allow us to begin again if we acknowledge what we've done was wrong. If we repent, if we aim to change our ways, if we develop a, a belief in God through his word and then publicly show that through being baptized to symbolize the washing away of our sins, then God will allow us to begin again. And once you've been baptized, then, as I said, you don't become um perfect in a sense sometimes your your appreciation of how sinful you are increases as you realize how far off the mark of the lord jesus christ you are but that's not a bad thing because like with the woman who washed jesus feet the more we realize our own sinfulness the more our love for god increases so never think i'm not good enough to be 
a Christian. Remember, it's, a Christian's not somebody who thinks they're good enough. That's not a good position to start from, to think you're good enough. It's someone who knows they are not. I'm just going to finish by reading a, a verse from another hymn that John Newton wrote. Um, it's appropriate to his background as someone who spent many ye years at sea. And he says, um, the rough winds may wrestle. Our God will perform with Christ in the vessel. We smile at the storm. If we put on the Lord Jesus Christ through belief and baptism, he will be with us in our lives. We will have storms. Um, we will have struggles. But we will deal with them with the Lord Jesus Christ being by our side and not on our own. God will allow us to begin again and he will be with us um, every day after we make that decision, forgiving us and helping us in our lives as we wait for his son to return from heaven. Thank you. Mm -hmm.